G'day folks, it's the coach here and we are in the Cities of Sigma Love Fest this weekend. Um, literally 24 hours uh, to the minute, um, we were talking all things living cities and today I am joined by a very special guest because it's a faction in Cities of Sigma that I just haven't rated. It's one that I haven't justified and I just couldn't quite understand how to make it work because, and I was talking to my guest in a minute. So first off, my guest is Jeremy Lefebvre. I've yep. butchered that already. Oh, yes. No, you did good. Yo, thank you. Like a pass mark. But so Jeremy has done really well with the Phoenician. So first off, he went 5-0 and um, in December last year uh, in Age of Sigma 3 at Flying Monkey Con. Well, might have been November. I, I, you, you probably know the dates better than I do. Yeah. But most importantly, uh, at the end of January, you went 5-0 and at the Las Vegas Open and you got to the semifinals, only losing to the eventual winner, Gavin. So it was it was cities versus cities. I think on Twitter, I literally said it's the who loves Sigma more battle. But you had played the Phoenician and essentially went 6-1 and one when yeah. you think about the finals run. So... There's some secret sauce in there. And to set the scene for me, when I've looked at the Phoenician, I've always thought that if I built a list in the Phoenician and I took that exact same list and put it in Hammerhall or Tempest Eye, I've always felt that it's a better list. But you're going to prove me wrong. And I think for a lot of people tuning in today, they probably haven't given the Phoenician the real time of day. So for me, this is a really big learning opportunity to find out what you've learned really over the cross of the game. But before we get into the meat and potatoes, Jeremy, debut on the channel. Who are you? Where are you from? Let the internet know all about you. Okay. Well, I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've been playing Warhammer since like 6th edition fantasy. Dark Elves are my love. I've always done an MSU style. So that actually plays into how I built this list eventually and what I, what works so well with it and why it's hard for other people to build that kind of list, I think. Which is ironic because the minute people start talking about Dark Elves, which is essentially now Darkling Coven, Order Serpentis, and one of the others, uh, I can't remember what the other build was. Um, but anyway, like when you yeah. think of Dark Elves, you know, people immediately go to like Harkuron and um, Anvil Guard because, you know, the, the Viltrolic Spray and some of those abilities just work so well. Even Mist Harven works really well with the keywords to the Darkling, the, 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 the what is now the Dark, you know, the yeah. old Dark Elves stuff. But um, yeah, like Phoenician man, like it's that, uh, you know, the battalion, the old narrative battalion was like, eh, it's all right. Eh, it's Phoenix. Yeah. Eh, you get some rules. I don't know. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm open to to what what you're going to say to me. And that makes sense. But you have to look at why Phoenician plays better to Dark Elves than I think those other cities, or at least the playstyle that I did when I was playing Dark Elves. Is Dark Elves where I played them as a very MSU. I have these little any units that are all expendable. They're going to do a little bit of damage and then they're going to die. And I'm just going to chip away at these big, huge blocks of troops. And so Phoenicium lets you do that in a way that no other Age of Sigmar faction army lets you do. Yeah, and what's fascinating as well, and, you know, I, I know some, some of the feedback that I was getting yesterday in the chat when I was talking Living Cities, and people have seen Gavin's Winning Cities list as well, um, as well as my, my guest Joe, who was talking about his experience from the Great Plains Masters. 
is your list has no dragons. That's right, folks. Not a single dragon. Not Karazai, not Krondus, no Forminators, no Stormdrake Guard. Because I think some cities people are happy to bring in the Stormcast and rely on the strength. Some people want to be pure and native to Cities of Sigmar, at least not rely on a massive hammer from outside the city. So um, a bit of a bit of a you know a sneak peek under the veil is that your your list um, actually has no dragons. No dragons, no hammer. <laughs> and Stormkeepers literally, <laughs> our Stormcast friends literally have jumped in and said, needs more dragons, obviously. Look, man, he, he, you, you the did just as well as The minute you put dragons in that list, the list gets worse. The minute you put anything that's not a cities unit in there, the list gets worse. And that's one of the interesting things about that list. You can't, I've thought about trying to put the Stormcast in, just none of them fit. Because if you put Stormcast in there, you're not getting the Phoenician abilities. You're not getting, you can't put assassins out of them. You lose your flexibility. You lose your be able to respond to different situations and different opponents. I think what was really interesting for me being someone that wasn't at the LVO this year, and I was sending a lot of updates on Twitter and Facebook, and I was posting the lists and I was posting the rounds. And, you know, it was really interesting because um, funnily enough, at the exact same time, I was meant to be running a hundred player event, but COVID made me postpone the event. So I was really living vicariously through the LVO. And I know when I was posting lists and I was posting a lot about like what was happening at the LVO from round one up until the finals, yeah. um, your list was getting a lot of attention because people were like, what on earth is going on here? How on earth is this list doing well? And I think, you know, assistant ref mentioned, you know, it's very much about curiosity. And funnily enough, Gavin, who eventually won and obviously your semi-final opponent, just, you know, absolute, you know, congratulating you and saying what a great opponent you were as well. So I want to get into the Phoenician and understand how you look at this, because I get a feeling the way you look at cities and the way I look at cities is going to be very different. And I think you've got to play a different play style, potentially, <laughs> when using the Phoenician. And before we get into that, just want to give massive love to my friend, Poet, who uh, donated some some dollary dues to, I don't know, keep me living off rice and noodles and stuff. <laughs> So you've played this since second. So I, I didn't actually know that. I know you did well at Flying Monkey Con, which was third, and I know you done well at LVO. But you've played this in second edition. Yeah. Why the Phoenician? Like, tell me about the Phoenician and why you picked that outside of just your Darkling Coven stuff. Because the Phoenician goes but to their core rules. They have two main abilities. That when I lose a unit, I get plus one to hit and wound. So it allows me to play into everything's expendable in my army if my opponent is winning i am also winning your success makes me stronger so i play into you wanting to succeed so i'm stronger later in the combat phase so, so i you... will bait you with killing certain things out of order or force you to kill things that you don't want to kill so i get better it's an interesting way of looking at the world very interesting way of looking at the world because like when i looked at building list in the phoenician like i'm like right and, I, and i'll get the rules up very soon and i'll get your thoughts and you know how you think about it when i looked at the phoenician i'm like right okay for me to trigger some of the abilities in the phoenician i need things to die so what's going to die i'm like flagellants could die aether wings can die i'm like and i'm like building all these things that could die but then i'm thinking surely my opponent is smart enough to not kill those things Surely if there's a combat between, I don't know, a Phoenix and then Aetherwings, 
they're going to go the Phoenix every day of the week and not clear the chaff because they know Aetherwing is going to do nothing or Flagellants are going to do nothing. So you have to but pick units that are a different. threat. You have to pick a unit that is a threat that is also expendable. Okay, and so when you're looking at a unit of Phoenix card, you're like, that's not expendable. I'm like, in my eyes, it is expendable. Okay. All right. <laughs> like I said, I think we look at this game very differently, and I'm very curious to hear from you. By the way, is this the same list? Did you take – someone did this ask me after this same a few list. times. It's, okay, so it's the exact same list that went from Flying Monkey it, Con over to the The only difference between this list and the second edition list is the second edition list had Fire Phoenix in it, which was good in second edition, and they're just terrible in third edition, but how they changed the movement that you can't like retreat and run. So it's just like, that's gone. Um, the second yeah. edition also had another unit of Shadow Warriors, so it was I think it was stronger. Three Shadow Warriors is so much more dangerous than two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, when I when I look at the Phoenician and just some of the things you can do, I don't know. So, You've obviously still done well, very well. So on that list, you're talking about my opponent's smart enough not to kill anything. Well, that's where the Hurricaneum comes in and the command ability from the Phoenix. So if I have the Hurricaneum centered, and it's also kind of a bait unit, now everything around me is hitting on twos. So then I do the Phoenix command ability, I'm rerolling all my wounds. So now I'm hitting on twos, rerolling wounds, if you're not killing me. If you're killing me, now I'm twos and twos. So either way you look at it, I'm going to be hitting you consistently with just little bits of damage. And and that's probably one thing that, you know, you are playing the chip damage kind of, because like Phoenixes don't do that much damage. Like when you compare them to other things out there, which is why people are bringing in, you know, dragons, for example, they are, they are really damage dealing. They've got good ren, they've got mortal wounds. They are, a, they're a good damage dealer. While you look at the options, and I know when I looked at, um, you know, you, you're obviously building around things like phoenixes, right? Because your phoenixes heal, and there's a whole bunch of phoenix rules. Yeah. They, they're okay, and they just don't do a lot of damage because they don't have high rend, they don't have mortal wounds, they don't get additional bonuses on the charge. You know, yeah, you can do flaming weapon, but they're just not a bag, a big damage dealer. You're just there to to punch. You're almost like Nurgle. You're kind of grinding your opponent down. And through the healing and the mortal wound, uh, like ward saves, you're playing the attrition game. Is that kind of how you you, you look at the Phoenician? Uh, yeah, I would like people to kill, attack the Phoenixes more. Not a lot of people in LVO wanted to attack the Phoenixes. They're all scared of them. They're just like, I can't kill this. Why bother? And then they wander around at full wounds and they have eight attacks apiece at two damage, which is actually pretty good. It's just the it's just the the rend. I think it's just the rend with the phoenixes that that make it um, challenging. But hey, look, we're kind of getting into the meat. I, I, I will get up the lists and we will get up the um, the rules as well. But just overall, like you know, how have you found the Phoenician? Why did you keep persisting with it? Um, and how are you finding in the meta? Like, is the meta rewarding the Phoenician? Is it something that you'd recommend others looking into? If you want a very, I like it. It's rewarding to me because it's. Of lots of little units MSU style where the game is played in the combat phase, activating, moving things, where things go. So it's a very finessey list, even though it doesn't look that finessey, but with the level of assassins and how you activate and get all this stuff, it can be a very finesse list and piling in and pulling things in and out. So if you're wanting a challenge, I recommend people do it. I know a lot of people are drawn to Phoenix Guard because they just don't die. But if you have that mentality, things are going to die. Like big blocks 
people like to bring big blocks of units and I don't like big blocks of units because I know how to take apart big blocks of units. So I build my list. It's like, what do I want to have an issue dealing with? Lots of little units spread all over the place where I go into this and then I'm like, okay, now I'm exposed. And I think that's kind of how I was looking at the Phoenician. I was looking at going, right, well, I need to have multiple small units and I need a lot of chaff that will die quickly. And that's why I mentioned things like Aether Wings, Flagellants, cheap screens that I could run up that could die quickly, hopefully, and would be able to, you know, reward the combat stuff that I want to do the damage. Um, it's just that, you know, I didn't feel like we had as much melee and damage options. I don't know. That's just how I was kind of looking. And then, again, it kind of goes back to what I thought was, Am I just better off putting this into Hammerhall? And I don't know. It's it's clearly different. And I know you said there's some shenanigans and some things differently when you start playing with it. And I think for me as well, like Hammerhall in third edition with some of the deployment maps shrinking and just the, the territory stuff, Hammerhall seems harder to play at the moment. And I think it's partially why we're not seeing it nearly as much on the table. That makes sense. Well, because you fight, because you obviously one, you can only get one per one unit to fight now. Um, you know, you can't multiply issue the same command and and do all that type of stuff. But two, um, those those territories and some of the some of the battle plans have gotten a whole lot smaller. So, um, so I think I, I haven't seen nearly as many Hammerhall units. But this is not the the Hammerhall show. This is the Phoenician show. Is is there any particular units that work? well in this list is it purely about uh, phoenixes and phoenixes either as frost or flame and phoenix guards and anointed or do you think there are other wanderers dispossessed I you know who, who who benefits well with these rules i think it has to be phoenixes and i think it's only phoenixes because of the command ability you get for being in phoenicium is probably one of the best command abilities in the entire game <laughs> So I think you have to have that. So you have to be planning to die, but also be able to attack when you die. So it's that living idols rules that you need. All right. Well, let's let's stop actually talking about it. Let's actually bring up the rules, and you can yeah. talk me through some of this logic. We're kind of dancing around it. We I know you've referred to assassins already, and like let's let's get into this, and then we'll we'll break it down a little bit. So first off, you've got um, the army has to come from Gairan. Is it the same as Living City? It means a whole lot of nothing other than some cool narrative stuff. Or do you, is it, do you actually benefit at all coming from Gairon? Not in third edition, really. You did in second edition, but third edition, it don't matter. Yeah, yeah, I, I so. agree. There's there's very little. There's no benefit or no impacts at all. Obviously, in previous editions where we had extra artifacts and things, yeah, different story. But you've, you've talked about, I guess there's three key rules here. You've got the, the Vengeful uh, Revenants, you've got the Blood of the Earth Phoenix, and then you've got Living Idols. I'll go to the Revenge Revenants first, right? So you add yeah. one to the hit and wound rolls for attacks made by friendly Phoenician units. Um, if a friendly any friendly Phoenician units have been destroyed in the same phase, not in the same turn, in the same phase. Right. So that means if I lose something in... Combat in mad in the shooting phase um, or the charge phase, um, yeah. I, I don't benefit from it. It has to die in the combat phase. Talk to me about this rule because this sounds super techy, super situational, and it seems super niche. It it is the shooting phase doesn't really help. help it's hard to get in, so you want to have everything in combat. So it it replies to having like things clumped together, like 
I've deployed in such a way that my Phoenix Guard are near my Phoenix, so if you want to touch one of them, you have to touch the other one. So if you want to touch something in my combat, you're bringing a couple things in combat. And then it's just, you want everything in your army to be in combat. You want everything to be engaged. Because it, it's, it's also, one of the things as well is that it requires you to have units die, not models, units. And we all know Phoenix Guard are tanky as all hell. You know, they're, they're one wound, but they've got a four-up armor save and then a four-up ward. So isn't, isn't that really difficult for you to take advantage of the hit plus one to hit plus one to wound relying on something like a Phoenix Guard to die? It depends on the game and your opponent and how hard they hit. So that depends how you're playing the game. If you're playing in a castle or you're trying to spread out. If the, if you're, if the Phoenix Guard are in danger of dying, then you want to have them near something. If they're not in danger of dying, you'll be in lots of little places. And it's where the, the little units like the um, Shadow Warriors and the Scourge Runner Chariot and the Assassins all come into play because you put them into combat. And maybe they'll activate, maybe they'll not. But you just dance around and you would activate your squishy stuff first. Yeah, I think for me, that, and that's kind of why my mind immediately went to, um, again, as I mentioned, some things that are more likely to screen and die. Like um, like I mentioned Flagellants, I mentioned um, Aether Wings, I mentioned, you know, maybe Free Guild Guard, potentially with swords or even, you know, just spears, just things that you know, are going to die quickly. Or even like I, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing a few lists I mentioned yesterday, you know, having some halberds, right? They can do some damage. They've got rend minus one. Their armor save is trash. So if they die, they're cheap. They're going to activate some good stuff to go out and then kind of get the plus one hit, plus one to wound. Um, I don't know. That's kind of how I, I looked at the Phoenician when it comes to that particular ability because I felt relying on something like Phoenix Guard or other units was just super situational because they may not die when I need them to die. They may not die, but that's okay because that means they'll still be still be around their next round. So if they're not dying, you're still winning. So it's a win-win scenario for you. If you kill something of mine, I get stronger. If you don't kill something of mine, well, it's not dead, so it's still going to keep fighting. So it's like damned if you do, damned you don't. If I lose something cool, I get a boost somewhere else. But I think the key that you said is you fight in combination. So you 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 try to make sure that you don't have just one unit in combat because if it dies, then no one gets the benefit. Yeah, well, you're you not want gonna, everything you know, in combat. You want multiple things in combat because then if one thing dies, then the rest of the Phoenicians are going to get plus one to hit and plus one to wound. And this is where the assassins actually are really key because you pop them at the start of the combat phase. So you've already seen which charges are, where things are, and you know whose turn's going first. So... At LVO, it were really good at slapping down fulminators because people get a fulminators. Fulminators have a one inch charge, one inch reach. So then I put an assassin and lock them in from piling in so they can't get more fulminators in. Now you have one or two fulminators that have to attack the assassin. It's going to die. Yeah, and what's really cool, like a lot of people probably haven't looked at the uh, the the assassin rules for a while now. At least I didn't look at them properly till you know since second edition. I mentioned it yesterday. You know, I, I I dropped the I dropped the assassin pretty quickly when I couldn't take the sort of judgment anymore on on the assassin. But 
I think what's really interesting is that you can pop them into any unit. So you pop them in reserve, so you yep. don't actually have to specify where you deploy them, um, which is a very big difference to me compared to um, my my Loon Smasher fanatics, where I've got to declare mm -hmm. specifically that my my fanatics are in X unit. But then they just got to pop out as long as it is five or more models. So it can't pop out from a character. Um, yep. It needs five or more models. So again, the Phoenix Guard will be great. It can't pop out from a Phoenix, but the Phoenix Guard or other units. And it has to be a Cities of Sigmar unit, and it has to only have one wound. Characteristic. Ah, uh, so you couldn't put them in like Pistoliers. You couldn't put them into Stormdrake Guard. It's got to have five or more models and a wounds characteristic of one. So... Um, can I pop out multiple assassins from a single unit? So if I have like a Phoenix yep. Guard and I want to have like two assassins on, you know, either either side of the flank, yep. that, that's something I can do. Yep. So that's what gives them a very flexibility of, oh, this is where the combat's going to be. I This is the big combat of the game. All the assassins have to come out right now. And then even if they activate first, this is where that living idols command ability gets into so good. Cool. So for anyone who's, who's listening to the podcast, the Living Idols is a command ability that happens at the start of the combat phase that's going to that's going to conflict with some of the other combat phase um, command abilities, obviously. Uh, and if you do so, you pick one Phoenician hero that is a Flames Fire or a, a Frost Heart. So it's your Phoenix, at, you know, it's either of your Phoenixes. Um, and then until the end of that phase, the end of the combat phase, um, uh, if a friendly Phoenician unit model is slain, while it is within 12 inches of that hero, so frost or flame, um, then that model can die before it's removed from play. So it doesn't let you fight twice. It does let you um, fight twice. Oh, it does let you fight twice. So yes. uh, they, they were added in that. That it's exactly how the other fight twice abilities are worded. Ah, so if I so, fight with my my phoenix guard and then some die later, yeah, then they fight when they die as well. Yeah, so it's really good with the assassins. So the assassins tend to double fight a lot. Because you put an assassin down, then you immediately activate it, it fights, and then they kill it on their activation with the fulminators that have to attack it, and then it fights again. Mm, and it does six attacks, hits on threes, wounds on threes. Um, obviously, if something's died already, you get plus one to hit, plus one to wound. It's only render one, and it's one damage. But if you hit a, if you roll a six on the on the the poison blades, it's d three mortal wounds. So you you'd like to think from six attacks, you'll at least get one six. It, it it's feast or famine often, but I, I've had three assassins kill Archeon before. Really? Yeah. I've just been so underwhelmed with like the rend and the 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 damage. I think that's again it goes back to my comment about the sort of judgment, like back well, in the ye olden days. Volume of attacks. So it's it's weight of dice. So say you have a three up save. With rend one, now you're on a four up save, which is almost every hero in the game. And I throw 10 dice at you, you make 10 saves, you're going to lose five of them. So you're playing weight of dice because because the, the, there's one trap, or at least potentially a trap, is that you put an, an artifact on the assassin. And uh, I've always felt a bit weird with that. Like, you know, is it just pushing, you know, rubbish uphill? Like, am I better off just not doing that and put keeping my artifacts on? Some more of my, my, you know, my powerful, powerful things. But yeah. I think, I think back to your original point. Like this is a great way to, you know, if if Phoenix Guard aren't looking to die, um, you, you know, you could pop things like assassins as well, where people might kill the assassin. It's you know five wounds, five um, five up armor save, 
you know, could be easy to kill. Uh, and then, you know, that thing dies and it, it helps you uh, activate the plus one to hit, plus one to wound from the, the Vengeful Revenants, as well as you've got your living idols where it allows to, to fight on death. Well, yeah, essentially it. The living idols also affects everything, the Phoenix card, everything in near it. So and also important thing to note about this command ability, it's an aura command ability. So you pop it from a hero from the from the character and it can affect units that get another command ability in that phase. So you can still all out defense like a Phoenix guard. And it still fights when you kill them, or all out attack something else. Yes, yeah, so so your Phoenix, so the, the, the flame or the frost phoenix that activates won't be able to use all-out attack or all-out defense with it, but other units would be able to because of the aura effect. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think Adam uh, Adam in the chat's mentioning, you know, weight of dice is definitely an interesting approach, especially, you know, with all the safe stacking out there at the moment, you know, you could have a, a unit that could have plus one, plus two, plus three. When you start thinking about, like, cover, mystic shield, yeah. all-out defense, finest hour, but you're playing the true weight of dice and... Um, I mean, the mortal wounds is nice as well, especially if you can spike and get, I don't know, two, um, two. Two, two sixes to do, you know, six mortal wounds. Uh, also, yeah, the stave stacking is important, but people can only save stack one unit. So it's important to have everything in combat over the entire field. So you're like, oh, I've stave stacked this unit. It's like, okay, everything's going to go over here and attack this. The assassins are going to go over here. This is where you're weak. This is where I'm going to take everything, put all my damage. So, so is that one of the key approaches to the Phoenician? Because I don't think if you asked any other city, they would say, I'm trying to put everything in combat at the same time. You're you're really trying to um, to hit your opponent with a wave, yeah. a durable wave. And once one thing dies, and things will eventually die, especially when you look at some of the battle tactics, which might be, you know, destroy your battle line, might be destroy your hero, destroy, yeah. you know, some monster stuff. Um, the battle tactics are rewarding your opponent to try to kill you, and you're really leaning into that to go, cool, well, guess what? You're going to do broken ranks, and when you do it, I'm going to get a whole bunch of boosts. Yeah, so I charge with almost everything in my army if it's in range. I just roll a charge. Except for maybe the hurricane. But even that, it still gets into combat more often than I should. <laughs> You don't you don't want to put the Hurricanum in combat. Like it's a last resort. It's a purely last resort. You'd be surprised how many things the horses Hurricanum have killed. Yeah, yeah. Because, it's true. because once you've killed something else, now the Hurricanum is on threes and fours for the horses. The wizard's on twos the wizard's on threes and twos. Okay. It, it actually starts to do a little bit of damage. Here I am worrying about the wizard, like the little wizard stick, trying to do some damage. But um, you're 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 building into the horse meta of of Harakanans and Luminarchs, and because um, obviously they'll give you plus two to hit, or at least with the Harakanum, you would get a reliability that if you need the plus one to hit and nothing dies, you're still got a plus one. Yep. Um, not that there's a lot of minus one auras out there, but if you happen to find one, you could counteract it with a plus two, minus one. Yeah. You're still at plus one. And the hurricane's a nice little buff. The army doesn't rely on it, but it's also like a distraction. People are like, here's this big unit with the, with this wizard that does all this stuff, and they try to shoot it off the table, and I'm like, okay. It was nice, but I still want everything in combat. So you have to do the mentality that everything can die. 
And if yeah. something dies, it's not the end of the world. Like yeah. in LVO, like when I was playing Nagash, he handed dusted my Phoenix off top of turn two, full Phoenix general. And then he handed dusted the other Phoenix off turn four. So that means you lose your command ability though. Yes. But I didn't, I kept going and I ended up winning 49 to 47 because I Who? took all the objectives and hit stood on them as much as I could. Yeah, okay. You've got some crazy crack science here. Like, you're just leaning in, like, like you want to kill me? I'm cool with that. And you're like, you're just cool, calm, and collected. I think it's a definitely a different attitude. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, the last thing, the last rule we haven't talked about, Jeremy, is um, the Blood of the Earth Phoenix, which is the add one to the wounds characteristic of the Phoenician Phoenix and Flamespire. So that would make them 13 wounds. They're base 12. They're base 12. Make them 13. 13. That's good. It's okay. It plays into a factor every now and again, but not that often. I gotta admit, Adam here I think is now that, you know, are we sure that you are a Cities of Sigma player, not a Skaven? Because as a Gits player, as a Skaven player, it's just like that old, you know, that meme. I think it's like Shrek, maybe it's like, you know, some of you may die, but I'm okay with that. It feels like you're just like, yep, cool. I'm a I'm die. a dark elf player at heart. I came from dark elves. So my entire city is all Dark Elf themed. Yeah, okay. How how do you look at your your Phoenician? Because I'm hearing, and I, it's it's something that I'm still struggling with a little bit. Because I imagine players are like, how do I how do I win my game, score my battle tactics, and defeat my opponent when I'm leaning into things dying? Is it am I suicide running things to die, no. or is it more just a I'm I'm okay with if it happens? You have to be okay with it, but you're not purposely trying to make things die your opponent's job is to do that and the better your opponent is the better they are at killing your stuff so the better your army is cool i, I, I did want to call that out because i can imagine some people have listened to this going okay cool run a phoenician i'm just going to suicide everything into combat but no you've got to think about your bubbles and the 12 inch aura you're thinking about smart combat you're thinking about the order of activation and how do you by the way think of your order of activation how do you prioritize who fights first and and who doesn't fight first and all that good stuff it's all dependent on the matchup and the battle and what i'm fighting but as a general rule i try to pop the fight when we die and then i fight with the things that are most likely to die so it does two things they get to fight before they're gonna die and if the opponent does kill them they get to fight again but now that they've already fought Sometimes the opponents may not want to kill them, so then it saves them from already because they already go because they don't want to kill them because then they'll attack again. So it's playing a mind game of I'm going to activate this, and they're like, "Do I want to kill that? It doesn't benefit me from killing it, so they'll go activate somewhere else." How did how did you find your game against um, against Gavin? Given that he's got so many mortal wounds from his fulminators and. Because I, I, I can't remember exactly your run, so you know you might have had similar experiences with other opponents. But how did you find that duopoly, and you know wh where did you fall down in that particular game? So I fell down in that game on the mission. The mission was entirely favored for him, and I was on the back from the get-go. It was the, the burn objectives, take objectives and burn them. I can't remember the name of it. And his living city that can just put all the pressure on one of one objective, come off the board, auto charge from a three inch charge from 
moving living cities. There's, I was on the backbone, so I was just hoping for him to make a mistake that I could try to capitalize on, and he never really made a mistake. No. Uh, so yeah, I think that, if there's any other mission, it would be even footing, and it would be anyone's game. Is there any armies in particular that, like your Phoenician or your Phoenician style of army, would struggle against, or you don't, you know, you don't enjoy playing because it's like a really tough grind for you? Um, it depends. Um, I had a really hard time against some Deepkin as the third game in LVO. Uh, he had like 150 shots of Deepkin, and that was pretty rough. And he, I barely won. I snuck it out on the blast turn, but that was rough because he could shoot a lot of stuff, did a lot of combat, and but so I could see I could have some issues with shooting armies. I haven't fought super many shooting armies, but the thing with shooting armies is you want to phoenixes are so fast that you want to put the phoenixes as a threat to them, and then they're shooting your phoenixes and not things on objectives. So you want to score points while distracting their shooting. And I guess shooting would kind of lean in a little bit as well. Like if they did shoot, shoot let's say your phoenixes, your phoenix guard, or your your battle line troops that are on an objective, they're whittling the unit down. So you know, um, when they do get into combat, you're not fighting at a full strength unit. You're fighting at a minimal unit, which then plays well into dying. Um, two comments that I really want to call out from the chat here. One, Joe calling out that this is an interesting way to play because as an opponent, you're right. Like when I'm across from you and I'm like do I want to kill this or don't I want to kill this? Because if I do kill it, and I know I played around with this type of strategy with Hallow Heart because Hallow Heart has, oh, I've forgotten the spell's name, but basically um, you can do mortal wounds back um, based on the amount of damage. There's some, there's some shenanigans in there, right? So yeah. you, oh, I can't think of the spell's name, but um, you know, you, 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 you force some really, really, really interesting questions is do I want to kill this unit or don't I want to kill this unit? And if you've buffed them up to the nines, and if you've been smart, you, you make your opponent do a, a really tough choice. The second comment, Jeremy, and again, this credit to you from Gavin, the, obviously your, your semi-final opponent and ultimate winner of LVO and I think this is probably where I'm trying to understand and I'm asking some really dumb questions because is it the Phoenician rules or is it smart play? And I think what I'm hearing from you, Jeremy, is that this is not an easy army to play. It's rewarding and it requires skill and it requires you to make good decisions. It's definitely not Phoenician go burr and you push them up the table and lol, you, you go 5-0 and at a tournament. It, you are really thinking about and and nailing those micro decisions on who fights when, where, how, you know, how you engage your units and having multiple waves of combat as opposed to, you know, picking and choosing battles. You've, you know, again, I, I'll agree with Gavin here. You know, this is definitely your your expertise as well, in addition to the Phoenician rules. Because on paper, Phoenician is not that attractive. I'd rather go Hammerhall. I'd rather go Tempest Eye. And I still I, I still stand by that, but I'm hearing what you're saying. No, and that makes sense, because, yeah, you have to do weird choices. Like, when I was playing the Deepkin, it was turn three. So the Deepkin player always strikes first turn three. So I purposely left an assassin in combat with the turtle, so he had to eat it, so everything else got better. So then my phoenixes go and eat all their archers with twos and twos. 
Love it. Love it. And we'll get to your list in a minute. I will bring up the list so we can kind of refine this a bit more and kind of understand your decision-making yeah. because as Chorf's asked, and it's, it's probably a really good question because I did ask you, you know, how do you think about this from like a Dewardan perspective or how does it look like if you're free guild? And I think maybe that's part of my issue is that I'm primarily a free guild player. So for me, I'm looking at this going right well. Yeah, my free guild guard are going to do, they're going to do well dying. My flagellum is going to die really well dying. But what's that melee hammer that I can take advantage of? And do I want to rely on, let's say, great swords to do that? And I think the answer for me would be no. But to Chorf's question is yeah. if you didn't want to take Phoenix Guard or an over-reliance on Phoenix Guard, is there any other particular units that you would suggest that could replace the Phoenix Guard? Or is there something specific about that unit that um, makes them unique to you? So there, there's two, two parts to that question. The first mm. is if you want... I wouldn't replace the Phoenix Guard because the Phoenix Guard gets so much more power from being near a Phoenix. So they have a duality of being near it. So if you bring Phoenix Guard near a Phoenix, they're immune to battle shock. That plays huge when people kill like eight of them and you're like, okay, this is going to die. And then it didn't die. And now you have one little, two little Phoenix Guard running around, which can actually mess things up. You just think so it's like two safe? guys. Is that saving you CP? Is that just now you've got units of two being generally annoying and then that unit dies and you've well, now it's also the plus important one? to my grand strategy, which is domination. I want to have more units. So if I have two or one, okay, I'll just go run it into a corner somewhere and I'll make sure I get my grand strategy, which is have more and... units alive than you. The other thing is the Phoenix themselves have a command ability built into them that is an aura reroll wounds for Phoenix Temple. So it's only the Phoenix and the Phoenix Guard. So you, if you don't have Phoenix Guard, you don't get to use that command ability. Or it's only to yeah. the Phoenix, and then it loses a lot of power. I, in my Hallow Heart list, I always ran a block of Phoenix Guard with the Anointed on foot. I just never had the points to run a Frost or a Flame okay. Phoenix. Um and often if I did, the Phoenix would run off and, you know, be pinning or be doing general nuisance. But, yeah, the, the re-rolls to hit, I think it is a re-rolls to wound. Um, re-rolls to wound, it, all wounds. Yeah, it's a great command. It's not re-roll ones, it's a re-roll wounds. And they're already hitting on threes, wounding on threes, yeah. two attacks, uh, range two, rend one. They're, so, they're, they're a good little unit. So back to the other part of the question, would I put, would other units do good in there? And I think other units do good in there, but they have to have a two-inch reach. Because tiny bases with a two-inch reach is huge. Because you have your unit deployed in such a way that if someone attacks you and then wipes your unit for the living idols to attack when they die, they have to be in range of the enemy. So you need to have a long attack range so that you actually get the strikes back. Otherwise, they're just lost. So the bigger your unit is, the harder it is to actually benefit from that rule. So is there anyone else you can think of? Like, I know people are throwing some ideas around, like you know, Drakesborn Knights. I, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't do Drakesborn Knights. I think that I ran them in so, Tempest Die, and I haven't been that that happy well, with with them. I'm trying to remember the Wanderers unit, the, uh, the, the Wildwood Rangers. The, uh, no, the, the Wildwood Rangers, I think, would actually be really good because they're damaged two to monsters. So with people running lots of monsters, you run them around, and then. A monster goes and eats them all, then they all attack back with their damage too when they die, and probably murder the monster for killing them. 
Yeah, they've got a very similar profile. Uh, Wildwood Rangers, two, range two, two attacks, hits on threes, wounds on threes, ran one for one, two damage if it targets a monster. Uh, what else have you got? Um, plus one bravery, plus one charge. Yeah, cool. Okay, yeah, it's not too bad. Obviously, no. it, obviously, they're not nearly as resilient with the no. ward, um, but they have a very different, a very similar attack characteristic at least. So if you want to put something else in there, I think it needs to have range too. Okay. Otherwise, you have to deploy. It's more annoying to get all their attacks in. Yeah, and maybe that was much part of my frustration is because I would, I would in a free guild kind of focus, I'd be focused on great swords, but great swords are only range one. They obviously do mortals if they hit on a six, um, but I think for me, yeah, it was like, and they have a very similar attack characteristic, but they're only range one. No, and the range two is actually huge because you have these little blocks. They're pointy little elves, this tiny little compact point that put out 21 attacks. Ooh. And they're twos and twos. So I would do games where they would consistently do like 17 wounds out of my little block of elves. And you're like, how do these do that much damage? Yeah, I mean, city, cities generally aren't known to be melee specialists, which is why people dip into stormcast and some of the others to bring in a bit more of that melee punch so i think it's a good comment to kind of keep in mind um what what triggers it if you don't want to go into this phoenix kind of style i think it's good good to know but you are giving some up and you know even like executioners oh, i don't want to talk about executioners because they criminally need a war scroll rewrite um the poor old dark as a dark elf man yeah. surely you can uh yeah your heart bleeds a little bit I, I'm prevalent to Blackguard. I think Blackguard are always better than Executioners. Even back in old Warhammer, Blackguard performed better than Executioners. Just on the Math Hammer, people liked Executioners, but Tabletop Blackguard performed better. Yeah, ex the only good thing about Executioners, they execute themselves. That's about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just bringing up the spells and artifact choices and things like that too. I think um, like so, when you look at some of the abilities, you've got three good. You know, what? I'm going to bring up your list. You know, I want, yeah. I want to bring up your list and let's talk so about the artifacts what for Phoenicium are kind of the worst, and the spell lore is kind of meh, but and the command traits are also meh. <laughs> Again, this kind of goes back to I think why I I looked at this and went. Eh, Hammer Hall's just got better options. They've got better artifacts. You know, I love the the Hammer Hall ability to switch off, you know, one of the two uh, abilities. You've got Wings of Fire. You've got so many great things. But, yeah, like when you look at the like the spell lore, you know, you've got the D3 heal to friendly Phoenicians, which is kind of cool. It gives you a – is it a bubble? It's a, it's a bubble heal. Yeah, so that's, that's actually really nice. good. Yeah, that's a, that's a really nice one. To Phoenician units, so obviously doesn't reward you very much with your Phoenix Guard. But if you take multiple phoenixes uh, or multiple like monster type type or even heroes, they're yeah. going to heal. That's quite nice. It always, almost always heals an assassin or two. Yeah, we'll see. You got you to you got um, to subtract one to bravery. That's uh, okay. And then you've obviously got half movement. That's a nice one. Amber tide's a nice one. You casting value of six. You pick an enemy unit within eighteen, and you have um, the movement characteristic. That's not too bad. I think that could be good, but yeah, I doubled up on Golden Mist in my list because so the command trait I picked for the general, um, 
I guess the command traits you can pick for Phoenicium. There, the one I did, which lets you cast a spell. It's important to note that it does not make you a wizard, so you do not trigger the plus one armor from Phoenix from Phoenixes from that command trait casting a spell. And it does specifically say uh, if this general is not a wizard, they know one spell. Um, and it's specifically to the Phoenix spell law, so they don't gain Mystic Shield or Arcane Bolt. Or it's become purely, a yeah, yeah. It doesn't. They don't gain the wizard keyword again. It's like it's like Hallow Heart. There's a there's a book that does the same thing. Yeah, um, all the cities but, have a. I think a, a thing that does that. It's in all the cities. So, uh, I actually really like this artifact, the Phoenix Fire Pirate Ashes. That whenever they rolls a six to save, he heals a wound. So. There's sometimes where he gets in fights and he's wounded and ends up the fight healed after someone attacked and less damage than he started with. So let's go through this list. Let, let, let's put some of this theory into practice because uh, I, I'm sure people are hearing some good things and some theory from you. We've talked Phoenixes already. We've talked Phoenix Guard. We've talked about some of the cool stuff, right? But how does somebody bring this together and maybe – um, how do people think about this if they don't want to go again all phoenixes? But the list that you've done really well, and um, at, at Flying Monkey Con and LVO, you've gone double Frostheart Phoenix, and I know you've already mentioned that the Flame Phoenix just isn't nearly as good um, right now. And I would agree with you; it certainly needs a bit of a at least a, a War Scroll rewrite when it comes to the movement shenanigans. That your double Frostheart Phoenix, one is the general, and it's got um, the that, that golden mist spell. So it was it, it it's it gains a spell, and it can only cast that particular spell. It's not like the arcane tome, uh, and you've also got the the Phoenix Fire Ashes, which is the artifact that gives you if an unmodified save roll for the attack is a six, then you heal uh, a, a wound to the bearer, which is quite nice. The other Phoenix has got your Arcane Tome with Flaming Weapon. Um, I'll get you to talk about that in a minute. Three Assassins, that's a null deploy, so they don't actually go on the table. They go hidden somewhere. And you've got the Hurricanum, which has got the Golden Mist spell as well. So you've gone double Golden Mist. Three units of Phoenix Guard, two units of Shadow Warriors, and a Scourge Runner Chariot. Good to see them back on the table. It's been a while. Most interestingly... While you've got 106 wounds and very tough 106 wounds, you've gone 12 drops. Yep. You have thrown Battle Regiment out of the window. And it's interesting because he, listening to Gavin, uh, when I listened to Harambe's Heroes, he said that he got to choose who went first in every game except for one of them. And he said that was obviously a very important part to his strategy. But you've gone YOLO, couldn't care less about drops. Correct. Um, so there's two reasons for that. I could play the arms race for drops, or I could go for getting some cool battalion rewards and play a different game. So I have five null drops in this list. So I put five things in reserve before I even put something on the table. So I almost always see how my opponent has completely deployed before I put anything on the table. So for anyone who doesn't know what a null deployment is, folks, that means that we're not putting them physically on the table in deployment. So we're putting the Shadow Warriors in reserve. We also put the Assassins in reserve, just, just for anyone who might not know this terminology. And 
they seem to be phasing that ability out. Most most rules require you to have something on the table and then put something in reserve, but those do not have that rule that you have to you can put nothing on the table and then put them. So my opponent will almost always pick who's going first, and they almost always pick me. So I've almost deployed. I counter deployed to how they deployed, planning on going first. So I will often go get some points, or if there's objectives, I'll go get them in the middle put some phoenixes on it, some phoenix guard, and be like, now you got to get these off because you let me go first. Good luck. If you're winning, I'll pop assassins. So you don't care who goes first or who goes second. You're just, if I go first, I'm just going to move up the board. I'm going to sit on objectives, especially with those phoenix guard and the phoenixes, which are very durable. It becomes a tough battle to get me off the objective. But if you go second, if someone says, cool, you're going second, what, what changes there with your, your strategy? Are you going for the double turn or are you thinking of things a little bit differently? It depends on the, the board state at the end of my turn. It depends how aggressive they are. Um, I did have one opponent at LVO that went first. Um, uh, Joe Cryer with his all dragons list. He's he, I deploy, he deployed and then I deployed in like a castle formation all bunched up and he's like, you know, what? I'm going to go first. So he hit me with all of his eight dragons and the four fulminators and they bounced off and then i killed all the dragons by turn two pretty much and i was going to ask you that like was that a key to your success because there is a lot of mortal wounds being thrown around and you know dragons terrorized the lvo i think you know 25% of the field, there was some ridiculously high number of Stormcast players. Not to say they all ran dragons. I know there was a few successful, like, Annihilator builds and things like that. But a lot of people, like, when I open up Twitter, I'm seeing dragons being painted, especially Storm Drake Guard. Uh, I'm seeing Forminators being run in Stormcast lists. They do a lot of mortal wounds. And I know James O'Brien, who was also the, the um, in the top eight of LVO, he ran all dragons and he appeared to bounce off um, his first opponent in the, the knockout series, which was 120 zombies because a bunch of mortal wounds isn't going to do a lot against 120 zombies that can regenerate plus a mega gargant. So do you think this really works with the meta right now that people are just throwing mortal wounds, whether it's um, your, your, your sentinels or your bow snakes, if it's your, you know, the dragon type mortal wounds and all the other mortal wounds being thrown around. Does this kind of play well into that meta? I think it does because people expect the mortal wounds to do a certain amount of damage. And then when they don't do that amount of damage, they have to rethink their strategy. And this wasn't designed to build play dragons. This was list was made before dragons. This dragon showed up and this list perfectly counters dragons. That was what I thought. I thought it definitely played well because, um, yeah, the the ward save literally everywhere all the null deploys, other than the Hurricanum. Stormkeep made an interesting comment being a Stormcast, you know, uh, extraordinaire. He and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I don't know which, which one of them is from the Stormkeep, but anyway, they said the Phoenician Death Star seems really good against your melee alpha strike armies. So things like Iron Jaws, your um your dragons who want to do the hero phase move and burdenate the peasants but they've commented that they feel like this list could struggle against shooting armies so maybe maybe it's a two-part question is did you face any heavy shooting armies either at flying monkey con lvo or just through your journey and then um, two how how have you found them so i didn't find any at flying monkey i did fight the heavy shooting 
uh, Deepkin list at LVO. And that was rough, but the trick to those is the Phoenixes are fast enough that you have to put the Phoenixes into the shooting. And you, you move on to objectives because you're tough enough to remove that you just go put on objectives. Shooting armies have a hard time getting on objectives because they want to shoot you off the objectives. So if I'm on the objective already with these pretty tough characters, you have to shoot me off of it and then get on the objective to take it from me. So you have to do something, fight me in some way. So pure shooting isn't going to beat this list. It has to be a combination of shooting, all focus firing on one part of it and then taking it out. And I guess you've got the Phoenixes as well that you can race them up the board to potentially pin your opponent in the backfield and and slow them down from scoring uh, while your Phoenix guard, your Shadow Warriors, you know, and things I'm, like that are sitting you can on do it with the Shadow Warriors too. I've, I've, I've also put the Shadow Warriors, deep strike them right in front of their lines and be like, kill the Shadow Warriors. They're a speed bump. They're just there to slow you down. They're going to die, but they're just slowing you down long enough for me to get ahead on points. Does this list? I'll, I'll acknowledge Kenny's question and I'll get back into the list. It's, this is good kind of logic and thinking behind it. Um, Kenny had asked, you know, um, have, would you change this list post LVO? Are you happy with it or do you think there's some tweaks to, to happen? The only thing I might change is the command trait, but other than that, it's not changing. What would you change? Have you um, any thoughts? So the, there's the command trait. Uh, it's I mean, like Aura of Serenity is. Aura of Serenity is rubbish for you because it it's, just means you don't take friendly fin battle shock for Phoenician. Like it's yeah, not, it's the not other worth one. it for you. Uh, add, add one to the attack characteristics of the general's melee weapons if one or more friendly models have been slain. Add three uh, if if there's five models that have been slain in the same turn. So often the general is fighting like last, last in the combat phase. So the opponent's already killed all their stuff. So if you kill three things that's that's characteristic of the of the melee weapon so it actually affects the general and the phoenix so that means at full strength you have seven attacks from the general 11 attacks from a phoenix that could do some damage especially if you hit it with like a flaming weapon and what's cool is it's it's models not um it's not units because yeah. you, you losing three units in a combat would be very difficult especially in your build but losing three models, especially as, as you've got a lot of single wound models, is very achievable. Yeah. Especially when I start charging with the Shadow Warriors. Yeah, they don't. They don't, they don't last long very They're very good. You drop them in cover and they can, you know, um, get some extra boost, but they don't last very long when they're charged. No. But they're a threat when you charge. So just dropping Shadow Warriors and getting a Shadow Warriors into someone's flanks, people are like, it's just Shadow Warriors. They're on threes and fours. But then all of a sudden, you say you've killed a unit. Now the Shadow Warriors are on twos and threes, and I can pop assassins out of them. So now this null threat became a really big threat. Uh, assistant Ref in the chat made a good comment as well. Maybe things like Master of Magic might be a good command trait to, to incorporate as well to, to boost up some of that spell reliability. And that's that's a good point. Um, and I might do that. That may I may change the command trait to that and move the flaming weapon around to the, the general so they have that because that's actually the thing that really hurt me in the game versus gavin i filled all my spells round one so i couldn't be aggressive and it was just like i can't go put these out there because i didn't get a single spell off 
So it's mm. the when it's when my army is the most vulnerable. And to be honest with you, you know, you're not the strongest magic casting. You don't have I, a lot of pluses to cast. Yeah. As a player, I hate magic. I have magic in this list because the phoenixes rely on it. <laughs> well, it could be worse. Again, I go back to Gavin's uh, podcast. I think he, he he mentioned, I think one of his opponents, uh, Marathi killed herself because she was on one wound left, rolled a miscast and killed herself because um, she was already on 11 wounds. So. Yeah. Um, it can be punishing, but there's a lot of magic in the meta right now. There's a lot oh, of yeah. like Zench. I mean, there was an under, when I looked at the LVO, there was underwhelming number of Zench. There was an underwhelming number of Seraphon, especially magical Seraphon. It was certainly more Thunder Lizards from memory than there was like Slan, Croak kind of. Um, certainly Lumineth didn't do very well. There was not very, there was very, almost no Lumineth near the top. Like it was crazy amount of lack of Lumineth. I think, I think a lot of Stormcast players came from Lumineth. Um, there just wasn't a lot of magic. So I think, you know, uh, coming up against you, if, if you do fight against... Or had you with Nagash? Nagash would have just, like, stopped you at bay. I didn't cast spells. I tried. They didn't go off. I got spells off round one because I deployed outside of Nagash's dispel range, and then I never got a spell off the entire game. And I think um, Chorf, Chorf making a good comment, like you, but you know, one one of the different builds to this could be bringing in a sorceress with that unit of dread spears, for example. Who one, the dread spears are going to die, but two, you get a bit more magical reliability. And again, what's great is that this is not Jeremy's not saying this is the one and only way to play. This is just an example, and you can pivot and you can kind of move things around. But one thing that I really like about your list, mate, is how tanky it is. Like this is. This is toe-to-toe Nurgle type stuff. Like you will just sit there and it's just a grind and a frustrating grind to take your trips off. Throw an Emerald Life Swarm in and start bringing back those Phoenix Guard, which I used to do in Hallowheart, and your opponent just hates you. Like they're just swearing under their breath. Yeah. And I've, I've considered that, taking the Chariot out and putting in a Life Swarm. But the Chariot actually does a lot more than it looks like because I can be all thinking and then the Chariot can go be disposable getting an objective. Like turn one, I'm just going to go put this Chariot's toe in this objective. So you have to go deal with it with something, which means you have less forces directed towards my main force or you're letting it be. So to me, that's a win-win scenario. You're either going to go kill this thing or you're not going to kill this thing. You have a tough choice and I want you and I'm fine with either one of your choices. So you don't have a correct choice. So it's a mental game where you're putting your opponent and making them make tough choices where they're going to second guess themselves. And I don't care what they choose. Let me get it. Let me unpack that because I think, you know, um, Gavin mentioned earlier in, in, in the chat, I know it's not the Gavin show, but you know, Gavin had made a comment in, in the chat today about the fact that this is a lot about your play style, as opposed to the list and the, the, the army. So how do you make someone make tough choices with with something like the Phoenician? Like what is in your mind when it comes to your movement, whether it comes to when you charge or who you charge or how you look at the battlefield? Like let me get into your mind here for a second and what is it that 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 makes this list with you good? Um, you want to play the objectives, but you also want to just put them – yeah, in tough situations. Since we're talking about Gavin, we could talk about the game. 
he charged me in with his fulminators. He was going to kill all of my Phoenix Guard, but I put two assassins in combat range. He could either move around to try to attack them or ignore them and hit them in. So he had to make a decision. Do I go try to kill these assassins and pull this Phoenix in, or do I stay in the back? He chose to go in and kill the assassins. Luckily for him, the, when the, he killed the assassins, when the assassins died, they killed the fulminator that brought the phoenix into combat so then the phoenix was out of combat again <laughs> when you say play the objective because this gets thrown around a lot like just play the what does that mean like, what does that mean to you specifically like imagine i was a intro player and you're like anthony you need to play the objective so what does that mean? Don't get caught up on killing things, because killing things is fun and you want to murder things. But say you look at the stage like, okay, I have this objective. I'm probably not going to kill this character. And I did this a lot versus Nagash. So I just retreated from combat and stayed on the objective and just outmodeled Nagash. Nagash has five wounds. I'm just like, I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to put these six black guard three inches away from Nagash, get my objective point, let you go, and then you have to kill those black guard on your turn. What else does that mean? Because I agree. And anyone who's listened to this channel in the past will know that I will say one of the most underutilized strategies in Age of Sigma is retreat. We we get to the tabletop and we get bloodthirsty and we just want to fight our way from the combat when actually the best decision might actually be retreat, um, ra uh, redeploy, get away from your opponent and, and secure the objective as opposed to can I kill them? Can I kill them quickly? So I agree 150 million times. Yeah. Um, one thing I got to get better at is deploying a round objective so that when someone charges me, they're not on the objective. So, so. you want to screen, you're essentially moving up the board and then screening off the objective. So even if they hit the charge or the pile in, their bodies are not in scoring range. So, and, you know, if, if you can block the, the, the pile in, it means that um, even if they do kill that unit, they're not in scoring range. Yeah. And even if they get a big enough charge that maybe they come around and then can pile in, that's what the assassin's for. The assassins, you can drop them at the start of combat and stop a pile in. Like, I don't want you to go this direction. I'm going to put an assassin over here and lock you in. Mm, and that would obviously work with like a flying unit as well. If my opponent could leap my screen and they got a great charge roll, you could pop an assassin at the black, a back and deny charge would deny positioning Pilots. on the on yeah pylons or even just uh, you get to dictate where the combat happens because you've now put a body here and you know you're going to go around further or it's hard to get into that juicy stuff and i want you to be in the combat with everything so i want you to like oh i need to be as much front as possible so i want you to bring the phoenix in i want you to bring another unit of black guardian you're like ah what's a lot of people are like, oh, I'm only within two inches of that one black guard. But my black guard are so bunched together with a two-inch reach that they have a five-inch threat. So you're like, okay, now all but like two of them attack you because they have such a threat range. So it's these minor little little auras, overlapping auras in combat. So when, you're so when you're moving up your bodies, um, are you ensuring – because this is something that I used to do in um, – 
So when I used to play my Cities of Sigmar, especially when I played my free guild, um, and I and you know I love my little hold the line combination with the you know the handgunners, crossbowmen, and um, and the the swordsmen or whatever, right? And I was always really conscious of having screens and having like my free guild guard at the front, and then handgunners within three inches. So when you hit the charge on my my swordsmen, my handgunners could shoot because they are they they were within three. Um, and you know but but still you know reduce the amount of combat they would receive back because you know there'd be like a two inch gap so yeah. it means unless they had like a three inch they wouldn't be able to actually hit the handgunners but when you think about moving your bodies up right how do you ensure that your phoenixes are still going to be in combat ranges when someone charges you you know is there certain distances you have between you know your free your, your, your battle line and your, your your monsters at the back or how do you Not think always. about movement it depends on it often depends on the run that the phoenix the phoenix guard get on my first turn or how far i have to move the hurricane up to get a turn one shot on something because it has an 18 inch range with a 10 inch move so you can often get a cheeky shot on something so that'll often dictate how i move is where does this hurricane have to go and how do i then protect it yeah, one of the challenges with Hurricanes is, uh, and it's it's partially why I like some again Wings of Fire and some of the other cities because you can get them because it's like it's very limiting. They've got like a movement eleven, they don't fly, and it's easy to kind of block yourself off or even cap, keep up with some of your more faster troops. But at least with Phoenix Guard, they're going to keep up well. So when I deploy, I often have one Phoenix, one Phoenix on each side, and they have Phoenix Guard in front of them. So they have a unit of Phoenix Guard, and then there's one Phoenix Guard that protect that's around the Hurricane, which is generally in the center of them. So that they, I deploy, they're all within 12 inches. So if any of them get the spell off, they all get their buff. Yes, because you got to be within 12 inches, and then you roll a two up, and you get the plus one save. Right? It's a 12 yep. inch bubble. It's a, it's a 12 inch if you get a spell off within 12 inches of them, and then you want to make sure that the Phoenix, depending on who you're fighting is a little more than just not quite touching the Phoenix card, so it's not within an inch of whoever touches it. And what this does, it stops stuff like Archeon's Sword of Kings, which only has a one-inch reach. Uh. Because I at Flying Monkey Con, I fought three Archeons in a row. At least the rules have changed between Flying Monkey Con and LVO, mm. and you're probably going to see a whole lot less of Archeon. But this list killed three Archeons in a row. How how does it compare with some of the other meta armies, whether it's like Suns or, um, you know, we, we talked about like, you know, Lumineth and, and, and KO and, and Dragons. I mean, we obviously talked about, you know, Dragons, you know, Joe Cry's list, for example, yep. not being able to cut through with just the amount of wards you've got. Uh, what about some of the other builds? You know, like does Megas cause you an issue? I've not fought a full Mega list. I did fight a Night Hunt player with one giant, um, round one, and he got the giant into me turn one because he managed to shoot enough and get a long enough charge. So that was pretty scary. And it, he's, he made the problem of splitting his attacks. He's like, this is the attack that's good against monsters. This is the attack that's good against Phoenix Guard. And only did a, few, a couple wounds here and there. And then I just ground the dragon. I just ground it down after three rounds of combat of it just doing a couple wounds and then a couple wounds and then a couple wounds. And then I get everything else in to come help it. And, and, that probably, and that probably comes back really well to what you said earlier about using 
bodies to deny the objective. So if you can screen the objective so that Omega can't get on top of it, if you're fast enough to get at the front, yeah, um, yeah Omega might count as 20 on an objective, but if you stop it, especially with your Phoenix Guard, uh, unfortunately, if it's like a Kraken Eater, it'll just auto slain models if it puts it in its bag. But, um, but you know, that's, that's kind of how you, you would stop Omega, right? Because you don't have yep. the bodies. Um, but you can you can grind them down by denying can, them from even getting on there. Yeah, I've done the math, and I can reliably kill a Gargant in combat pretty easily with the Phoenix Guard with rerolling the wounds and get everything in there. And then when it kills stuff, they fight when they die because it's going to kill stuff. It's a giant. It's going to put stuff in a bag, and then I'm going to stab you through the bag. Yeah, will, will, that, will that count? Because it's count as slain? Yep. Yeah, it's, yeah, it would. Yeah, of course yep. it would. And that would obviously work well with the, the general command trait. Not the the unit would have to die to get the the command ability, but at least if you switch the general to the seeker of vengeance, yep. it would count to that. Hmm. And lots of little shots. The shadow warriors could put a couple wounds on a gargant turn, so you just focus fire on it. There are only four of them, and you know where they're going to be. What's the key to your success with this? I think, you know, if I was to start to steal this down and, you know, you're going to teach me to play the Phoenician, like what's what's the key to this? Is it the is it the, the wards? Because you've got a lot of wards, you know, and that's probably what I kind of assumed from this is you've got a lot of wards, a lot of debuffing with the double Phoenix bubbles. You've got two bubbles of minus one to wound, so it helps make them even more durable. You're probably not giving away many battle tactics because it's very hard to kill your units and you've got healing and you've got other things that are coming into play. Um, is that kind of like, you know, your your strategy and, and what you found in a nutshell? Or is there other things that, you know, if I peel the onion back a little further, there's more to this? Um, I think we've peeled the onion back pretty good. That The wards certainly help, but I think one of my playstyles is I used to play very glass cannon armies, Dark Elves, Daughters of Cain is my other army. So then I switched to having that same playstyle with an army that just doesn't die, that I've all those little things I've learned here are even magnified when I have a four-up ward. Yeah, like I'm just looking at this, you know, You've got three units of, you know, like your Phoenix Guard of your battle line and broken ranks to pull down the Phoenix is a lot of lot of focus uh, for your Phoenix Guard. And your Shadow Warriors are now deploying. It obviously plays well to, you know, especially if you get like long strikes, uh, bow snakes, lumineth archers at the back, you can at least drop down some two units of Shadow Warriors to at least try to say, take some of those down. And they, they chip, they're chip, Mortal wounds is oh, I mean, the long strikes can do a bit more damage than that. But to pull down some of your troops, like if you lost your Harakanum, is that is that a big loss to your army? No. Obviously, you'd lose the you'd lose the plus one to save, or at least you've lost a bit more more of the reliable. I've lost a save. cast, which could hurt, but at the end of the day, it's not a big loss because it means they have to be killing the Hurricaneum, and it's often not and out in an exposed area, so they have to be sacrificing something to be able to get the shots on the hurricane. Whether it's, and it's dragons are too close, or this archers are range of this phoenix now. 
And I guess, I guess, because it do, it doesn't have a, a ward save, no. um, and it's very unlikely to be in combat too. So at least you can use heroic recovery if required. Uh, it um, has a bravery of six, so don't do that. I've fallen into that <laughs> trap a couple times. I'm like, I'm gonna recover <laughs> this. Looks if bravery. you need oh, to, no, I'm yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried that with my free guild general on Griffin, and I'm like, you're right. Actually, now I think about the, the I'm like, yeah, the free guild general on Griffin. I think I I rolled the box cars twice. I'm like, what? You suck. Why, why? Why do you do that? But you could use Golden Mist to obviously heal D three, no, which it would gets help. healed with Golden Mist pretty reliably. Mm. So, and it has a nice little chunk of spells. Chain Lightning is really good if someone deploys wrong. Chain Lightning is yes. really good against me because I deploy in a nice little bubble. Yeah, you know, you're playing. I guess if you're thinking the playstyle, you're playing Ultimate Castle here. Um, do you struggle no, with? No, like, I'm not playing no? Ultimate Castle. I play Ultimate Castle only against certain lists. Like against a Dragon list, I have to do Ultimate Castle. If you're a spread out list, then I'm I can be spread out to match you. So this list can play all kinds of different ways. Like yeah, I was just reading. I was just reading Gavin's question uh, comment, which is actually a really good one. He said, you know, from an outsider looking in, most armies have an engine that the army plays through in an obvious manner. And you're right. I think, you know, I've made some early assumptions when I was looking at your list and even like watching your path to glory through the LVO. I'm like, right, you know, he's, he's doing this, he's doing this. This is how the Phoenix is and the Phoenix guard and the ward. And, you know, I, I had this rough idea of what you were doing, but, you know, when you look at this list, which is not very obvious at first, and I think this is kind of where like the assassins come into play, the shadow warriors come into play, um, it then starts making you think a bit more about how you draw your power from the whole army, as opposed to, you know, um, you know, kill Nagash and, you know, the army crumbles, you kill X and, you know, the army crumbles. You don't have, I guess, a linchpin. So, um, which, which makes it again, as an opponent tough to, to handle. People think the Hurricaneum is the linchpin and that's perfect because it's a distraction. It's not the linchpin. It makes you think it's the linchpin. It's there to do something that I need to do mortal wounds. Say I'm fighting against a Kragnos, something on a two-up save. I need to have something I can do a little bit of reliable mortal wounds. So it's there as a safety net to make sure that I get a couple good turns of combat, but I don't need it. Ha- maybe, the only, maybe the biggest the linchpin in the army is the Phoenixes, and that's why there's two of them. Because what's actually really dangerous to this army is Roar. Because if you roar my phoenix, I can't get my living idols off. So I have to have two phoenixes, often near the very important combats, so I can reliably make sure that. And if you don't roar my phoenixes, then I get to re- then I get to fight when I die and reroll wounds, and then you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, I think this. I think some of the lists that I had when I was playing around with this, I had definitely two phoenixes. Sometimes playing with three. Um, but definitely, you, you can't rely on one Phoenix. Maybe talking about Phoenixes, how does this list differ if they were Fire Phoenixes and not Frost Phoenixes? So if they're Fire Phoenixes, it means you're not gonna you're, you're not gonna castle as much, and you want to be hyper aggressive with them. Fire Phoenixes, you want to have them in combat, and you want your opponent to decide if they want to kill it or not, because there's a 50-50 chance it comes back at full wounds. So yes. when it and comes it does back like, at full wounds, they will be completely demoralized. And it can do like five mortal wounds if it passes over to you. Yeah. Um, and I think it kind of why Fire Phoenixes probably did better in Tempest Eye, where you get that plus three move in the first turn. 
um, or there's some other, you know, cities that do have some some movement shenanigans. But um, I think one of the challenges, as you've already mentioned, is that the rule you used to be able to retreat. So if you were locked in combat, you could retreat and then still do those mortal wounds when you yep. you, you retreat over. Now it doesn't work like that. It's or only run to get the little extra movement you need to ping someone. Now you have yes, to be. Yeah, yeah. So now it's just so much harder to do that it's your like yeah and they're worse in combat than the frost phoenix if they were the same in combat i would be like okay it's still kind of worth it but they're just worse and it's the minus one to wound bubble because there's not a lot of ways to get plus one to wound so the minute you can start getting minus one it really does degrade um people's weapon profiles or forces them to use things like um finest hour no is it titanic jewel or finest hour that gives you plus one to wound finest one hour. of the two yeah finest, finest hour. hour so it forces you to do that if you're you know you're stuck in combat yeah. where you might want to be generating the cp instead yeah and the phoenix is just the phoenix minus one wound aura can almost be an auto wind against certain armies if you're going against the daughter's army they wound on fours in combat now you're wounding on fives you're going to well, army even... that already, it's just they can't recover from that you can't do enough wounds to get through the already tough Phoenix. I know. I know. I played a game with my Mega Gargans once against a, a Phoenix, and one of the challenges I had is they have low. Traditionally, they have low volume of attacks, but high volume of damage. So the minute you bring that from a three to a four, or a four to a five, um, and you know it's six damage or three damage or something ridiculous like Ren three. Um, like you can you can deny your 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 mega gargants and certain heroes pretty quickly, or force them to um to to use a command ability where they fight at the top of the bracket. So um, there's a lot of like cool shenanigans that you're playing around with here, and it just kind of combines really nicely between the Phoenician rules, the Phoenix rules, the ward, the durability, and I think um, you're certainly well positioned in the meta right now. So that you didn't know that you were kind of yep. leaning into a mortal wound meta, just kind of an, a, a happy accident. I play the list I like that fits my play style. No, I dig it. Last question, I think, Jeremy, before I let you go, because this has been cool. I think it's, um, again, I think I'll probably get off this call and I'll probably, you know, reflect and, and have a think about the way you've talked about your army, because it's certainly not the way I assumed the Phoenician would work. And, I haven't seen a lot of really good Phoenician lists out there. Again, probably because it's not obvious. And like I like I said to you right at the start, if I took this list and put it in Hammer Hall or Tempest Eye or some other city, I just feel that you know it's probably at least more obvious that it would be a better list. But I'm hearing a lot of counterpoints to to my thinking. Yeah, do you think my list would be better in a different city? Because. Well, that was my last question, so don't go there yet. My last question was going to be, is if you took this list, and I'll bring up the list again for the folks at home, um, if I brought this, if you if you took this list and you did nothing more, obviously change the artifacts and command traits, ignore that for a second, but if you took those units and put them into Greywater, Tempest Eye, Living City, some other faction, how does it change and does it get better, does it get worse, like, like, how does this list change when you put it into a different city? Um, it probably depends on the city. I think it gets overall worse because you lose the punch of the assassins. You can't, if you pop all the assassins at once, people will kill them before they get a punch off. They don't get to do anything. So it loses a lot of its interplay. 
that relies on the Phoenician two core abilities, which is fighting when you die, and when something dies, we get stronger. So there is that. Cool. And I think, you know, Kenny, GM Kenny, you know, has probably wrapped up the show quite well. Is it, you know, you are a good combination of play style and rule synergy. So um, you're definitely not picking up the hottest meta out there and you're just, you know, abusing it and spamming, you know, the, the sexy stuff. You know, it is, it is a combination of hard work making the micro decisions. And this game is really micro decisions. If you think you just pick up a list and just, you know, you saw an LVO list that did really well, I'm just going to do it and get the same results. Uh, I think you'd be horribly surprised. But I think, you know, to the point, you know, you've shared a lot of interesting counterpoints and you might inspire some people to revisit Phoenician. I know there's certainly a lot of high elf fans that might have your Phoenix Guard, you know, your Phoenixes, yeah. those native. I know we all can't run Manticores as Phoenixes. Um, but it was, it was, you know, it's definitely something to reconsider, um, you know, and I think to, you know, to, to assistant ref's point, I don't think it works as well. And if I put this list, for example, into hammer hall, yeah, I could double fight with the Phoenix, but they're not, they're not oh. strong. They're not, they're not that good in combat. Like they don't have the highest ren. They don't have the highest damage. Like, yeah. like, like, <laughs> No, and I think the problem with people building Phoenician lists is people think of Phoenician as high elf, big, elite, strong, march on the field and win, where the rules are actually dark elf rules. So it's like the, the city is at odds with itself. Yeah, no, I love it. I just, I was, I was just thinking of the irony of Chorf Plus talking about Cities of Sigmar being a placeholder. Enjoy it while you can. Well, Mr. Duarden Oathbreaker uh <laughs> calling the kettle yeah. black um uh, i have to relook at the rules but when you fight on death do you get the plus one you get plus one to wound for the first unit that dies so, so that came up in lvo i've never played it that way and i still think you do not get it for the for, for the unit that dies that when first unit that dies you do not get it because the unit is not destroyed till it is the last model is removed from play and once it's yeah, removed so, from play, it can no longer fight. Yeah, so, that was what I was thinking. I was like, wait a second. It would have to be removed from the table, but, which technically means it doesn't. But. So if someone has a, goes and kills like three different units in one fight with one activation, the first, one, the first unit I remove doesn't get the plus one, but the next ones do. Yes. Yeah. Even if yeah, they so died he, in, from the same combat in the same round of attacks. Okay. So it's very important so, to lay your models that are dead and then pick them off in a certain order. Uh, so you might, if you like, if you, you know, let's say, I don't know, some super badass, I don't know, more crusher come in and like Kragnos came in and just like absolutely obliterated, I don't know, two units, you know, remove the one that's less good yeah. first and then get the, well, get what the, you do is you boost. remove the assassins first. So, Fulminators came in and killed two assassins. I remove one assassin. It fights when it dies on threes and threes. The next assassin fights when it dies on twos and twos. Yes. And, you know, obviously the plus one hit, plus one to wound isn't going to be a big boost when you're trying, you know, you're really fishing for those sixes to get the mortals. But uh, I think, you know, I think this comes back to the fact that, you know, you you make really good micro decisions. Well, actually, let's end that. Let's end it there. What makes a good micro decision like when you are choosing to make to move models when you are choosing who to fight first when you are choosing all these little micro decisions 
what advice would you give me? And then we'll wrap up. Uh, think about what that decision does and does it benefit you? Can you po can I activate this unit, pile it in such a way that it brings one of the enemy units out of combat that you don't want to fight? Or can you pile it in such a way that it forces the opponent to attack it more because you want that unit to die because it's already attacked? Does it protect something else? Yeah, I try to think, when I think about micro decisions like that, I try to think of it like a decision tree. It's, it's what ifs. You know, if I go first, what happens? If I go second, what happens? If I do, if I fight with this, what happens? And then, you know, and this comes back to experience and repetitions and in your practice games deliberately, like there's plenty of practice games that I play where I will deliberately do something that isn't the best decision purely to see what happens. Can my, how does my, how does my unit react if it doesn't have this buff? What happens if I lost my Harakanum? How does my army act, interact without this certain piece? And it's always good to test that. So when you get to a major tournament, um, you've got some better experience and, and better ideas on that decision tree. Because constantly as a, a great tournament player, you are constantly being asked micro decisions. And the more decisions you make your opponent ask, the more likely they're going to make the wrong one. That's just someone, my observation. Yeah. And someone will kill your linchpin. Just expect yeah. it. Expect, Especially when you expect it to go bad. When you're flying high to the sun and you are at the top tables and you are three, you know, at day one, you are going to play really quality players and they're going to know what to go for, you know? So, so, so practice to see what happens if your army does lose that linchpin. I think that's, that's a, a critical piece or that spell doesn't go off. What, what does it look like? Yep. Jeremy, this has been awesome. I've, I've learned plenty and I, I less hate the Phoenician, um, you have you you've got me more on side of the fence than than like Grey Water convincing me that their army is better than Tempest Eye, but um, you've definitely shown me a different path. You are not the poor cousin to Hammerhall. You are definitely bringing in um, a different different idea. Oh, I've got to, okay, I'm going to end here. Uh, someone else called Jeremy Garcia mentioning this guy gave me the worst beatdown I ever had in Warhammer Fantasy. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I played him up in Denver. That was good. Good to see you, Jeremy. <laughs> is there, any, any, is there uh, anyone you want to shout out? Any games, Clive? People want to talk to you? Are you on the Twitterverse or are you on the socials? Or um, um, I'm not really on Twitter. I joined your Discord because my friend got me in there. So I've been answering some questions in the city chat. I'm sure people will have more. I'll try to get to them. Just tag me. Um, but otherwise, like any gaming club you want to shout out and kind of give props to? Um, Kenny's part of the gaming come here. He's hosting a tournament in Albuquerque. We sold it out within 24 hours, so our stuff's going strong. Um, I've been doing a lot of tournament travels with my friend uh, James Tapia. He's who I go to LVO with. He's who I go to Denver with. So we do a lot of games and bounce off the top. So he's been a great cool. asset. Now this has been great. I I, I legitimately have heard, learned a lot for you with Phoenician, and I will I less hate them now. I've just, I've never understood them. I'm like, like, why am I building crack science behind flagellants and, um, and aether wings? And I think I was just looking at it the wrong way. I was looking at just pure, you need to die. Um, but I like that your approach is if they don't die, I don't care. If they do die, I don't care. Where I was trying to purposely build around things. I was trying to build like two ends of the pendulum, like super buffed up melee unit, 
things that I want to die really quickly. And if I can synergize them both really well, I'll get the most out of Phoenician. And then as soon as you fight someone really good, they're going to know what you want to do. And then they're not going to do that thing. And that's my problem. That was my problem the whole time is like, if I throw my flagellants against a really good player, they're not going to attack flagellants. They're like, no, I'm going to attack the good thing. And I couldn't quite get over that hurdle. I think that was kind of where I, where I left my thinking. I'm like, this just seems too hard. <laughs> well, make them great swords, and then maybe they'll kill them because great swords actually do damage. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And there's new battle tactics like having banners as well, so that would probably work quite nicely. And I, I have tried the flagellant um, battle tactic. Don't. Like, just don't. No, that actually Cities of Sigmar battle tactic with the banners is really good. It won me a game because it lets me play the castle game even longer than anyone else. Because I'm like, okay, yeah. I'll just sit on these objectives with these blackguard. Or That's Phoenix a really good guard. battle tactic. The flagellants and being having a flagellants not in enemy territory and then end in enemy territory. And like, just like, no, I don't want to have two units of flagellants, at least in, in Phoenician maybe, but in any other city, no, no. Right, this is getting into a weird tangent. Jeremy, you have been an absolute legend. Thank you for this discussion. I yep, am uh, definitely you. much, much more th thoughtful and insightful of Phoenician. You've you've convinced me. You you have changed my mind. Well, maybe I'll see more Phoenician players. So then people will be like, oh, this is what this army does. This best show of me like, what does this do? Yeah, like what does it do? All right, let's peace out. Thank you, Jeremy, for your right. time. Thanks, Thank everyone, you. for joining us on uh, on the chat, as always. Roll more sixes. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video, as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more fixes.